Hi, this is Ellie Fishman, and this is part two of Radiology uh, 2021, or 2020, or 23, looking at where things are changing. If you look at uh, CT in general, one of the most common applications we have, and probably 60 to 70% of all the work we do is probably oncology-related. And if you think about oncology today, what do we do? Well, we look at lesion detection. That's probably the most critical thing. And then we look at characterization. You got a liver mass. Is it benign and malignant? If malignant, what is it? A cystic renal mass. Is it a simple cyst? Is it a complex cyst? Is it a cystic renal cell carcinoma? Is it a mess tumor? So detection is great, but characterization really is where a lot of the, uh, the importance is. We look at lesion size and lesion volume. We stage tumors. We look at responsive tumors, whether lesions have gotten smaller or bigger following chemotherapy or surgery. We look at determining whether patients are surgical candidates or do they become surgical candidates. When you look at lesion characterization, for example, as we look forward to where things are going, we're now looking at things like lesion perfusion. What is the perfusion of a lesion, which may help decide on chemotherapy, but also how does a lesion change with chemotherapy or radiation therapy? Can we suggest responsive tumors? As we look at characterization of tumors with different tools, can we do a better job, for example, with texture mapping of looking at the etiology of a lesion? Can we do better in terms of staging, which would lead to better management decisions? And in measuring tumors, we use the resist criteria. Can we do better than that? Can we be more accurate? Can we do it in more patients? And can we do it in a more computer-oriented fashion where it's less radiologist time, but we're using the advantages of a computer? And also in that way, reproducibility will indeed increase. In terms of perfusion and article by Del Rue, compared to the control population, significant decreases in perfusion values were observed in all pancreatic pathologies under study, except in neuroendocrine tumors. Perfusion CT can be used as an additional parameter to differentiate pancreatic pathologies. And this whole idea about blood flow and blood volume were lower in acute and chronic pancreatitis compared to the control group. In adenocarcinomas, low blood flow and blood volume were observed centrally, but gradually increasing to the tumor rim. Perfusion values in parenchyma adjacent to the tumor were not significantly different from the control population. So you can see we're looking at things that we've never looked at before, and this potentially can provide significant information for us. Now, when you think about everything in a radiology department, we commented before that we talk about devices, whether it's CT, MR, ultrasound, PET. We talk about PACs and risk systems. We talk about networking. We talk about workstations for post-processing. And obviously, when you look at the first data acquisition devices, you know the Siemens and G's and Toshiba's and Philips have done an incredible job. And they have had the biggest impact in radiology. But I wonder going forward, particularly once you get away from the hardware of scanning, Who's going to make a bigger impact over the next decade? Is it those companies or is it Apple and NVIDIA and Amazon, Intel or Google? And if you think about it, those other companies, which we really think more about in the consumer space, really do things that are critical to us. They create display devices and mobile computing. Think about the iPad, fast graphic processes for real-time rendering. We do 3D remotely on an iPad because it's connected to NVIDIA boards. Storage and virtualization, the cloud. Think about Amazon and their cloud computing or Google and their cloud computing. 
Think about networking and secure communications. Number of companies from Intel to Apple to Google to Harris, all of these companies are critical to us and their improvements and changes will really drive what we do. If you think about what radiologists actually do, we read studies like CT and MR and ultrasound, but reading is really a small part of what we do and I really don't like the word reading and I don't like the word that we make reports because really, what we do is we look at data acquired by different imaging devices and we change that data into knowledge because it's the knowledge of what we see that really is used to improve patient care. And so the better we have access to knowledge, the better is patient care. So with data being stored in the cloud, it means it's accessible everywhere, anywhere. We'll have high bandwidth secure lines, so slow network transmissions or the concerns about security will tend to disappear. Security will never be perfect because there are always crazy people trying to make problems, but in general, things will be more secure. Uh, and there's no doubt that's happening uh, at the present time. When we talk about access to information, we talk about 4G, but we'll be in the 5G plus categories and successors to the iPhone or iPad will provide real-time information on high-resolution devices. And then at the same time, we're going to see CAD and other tools creating opportunities to cut costs by increasing the radiologist's capabilities and being more accurate and providing more information to our referring physicians to help manage our patients. The other thing that probably drives each of us individually crazy is the fact that uh, I'm looking at a patient scan right now, patient's age 57, there's a couple of questionable findings. Well, this patient was never scanned at Hopkins, there's no films. And so basically, it seems as if the patient was born today at three o'clock when this study was done. Obviously, this patient's had old films. If you ask her, she has had old films, but I can't see the old films. The fact is, I don't even know if the old films exist. And if they do exist, Neither I nor the patient remembers where they were taken, when they were taken. That is plain crazy. Well, what if all the images were stored centrally? From the day you were born to the day you die, we could retrieve them. You'd have a passcode, it'd be a secure area. We'd save a lot of money in terms of repeat studies and also a lot of grief. That nodule I'm worrying about today or that renal lesion I'm worrying about was there 10 years ago on an incidental study, as an incidental finding on a trauma study. So why can't we do this today? Well, I think the problem is the people we have in place, I think everyone is so worried about security, security is more important than taking care of patients. Good article by McAfee and Harvard Business Review. At present, there's a bit of uncertainty and skepticism about the cloud, particularly among technology professionals who have deep expertise with or attachment to on-premise computing. Companies shouldn't give such people too much influence over plans to move into the cloud because that would be like putting the crew that ran the boiler and steam turbine in charge of electrifying a factory. It's in some people's, uh, it's not in their interest. I think sometimes this, the people who run IT love the fact they have all the images behind the wall, they control it, they have the power. You put it in the cloud, you don't need them, okay? We worry about HIPAA, there's no doubt, but HIPAA, you know, we need to work within the process. It can't be that HIPAA is creating more problems. You can see the whole area of HIPAA, some of the problems. This Michigan report, uh, implementation of HIPAA resulted in a drop from 96 to 34% in the proportion of follow-up surveys completed by study patients following a heart attack. Another study detailing the effects of HIPAA on recruitment for cancer prevention demonstrated changes that resulted in a 73% of 
decrease in patient accrual, tripling of the time spent recruiting, and a tripling of costs. So you can see this HIPAA, this concern about security, is actually hurting patient care. Now, the FDA is the one taking a lot of responsibility for security, and this recent memo talks about the things they're going to be doing with cybersecurity for medical devices and hospital networks. And I think a key thing will be using common sense because we don't want a situation where the biggest concern is security and we forget about patient care. Devices, how are we going to be looking at information? We speak about the iPad, and I've given you separate lectures about that. And it's amazing how we went from the ability to look at images on an iPhone with its limited uh, area, yet still I use it when I'm away from home at times and I'm just running errands or just taking a walk and someone has a question for me, or being in the Nike store as this past weekend in New York where I had to look at a case, and you can do a great job. And in radiology, you can see just the articles, August 2012, RSNA News talking about mobile uh, apps making ground in radiology, and here's an image we gave them and in this article, and here's just another article June 2013. So it's a very important part of what we're doing. It's on everybody's mind. Again, FDA approval becomes critical, and the FDA is really trying to put controls over mobile apps, but hopefully there will be a balance between making sure things are done well and just making sure things are more complicated. We don't want to have that complications. There are many different people doing mobile apps, and that will continue. Our experience has been with the Siemens Web Viewer, and if you're outside the U.S. where FDA is not controlling things, the newest version, which allows you to look at CT and MR and PET-CT and everything else, is indeed pretty cool. When you think about devices, you look at the iPad, which will only get better, but with the Retina device, 2048 by 1536, 264 pixels per inch, which is better than most monitors we look at. We look at the fact that we can use uh, hardware that allows us to render in real time without any motion artifacts or delay when we're looking at images. The fact that these devices are done like typical Mac devices. You can customize it. You can choose how you want to look at the images, coronal, sagittals, how you want to start things. This customization is something we've always asked for in PACs but have not been able to have till now. And again, the ease of use, if you're using it in a hospital setting, you don't have the time to train everybody. Well, it becomes an easy process. You either put in a name or a history number or look at today's date. You find the study, you look at it, you do everything interactively. There's only a set number of buttons, which tend to be intuitive. And in the newest versions, you can see the screen setup can be set by you, whether you want coronal or sagittal, whether you want portrait mode or not. And you can see the quality of the images, this case a duplicated collecting system on the left with a stone in the distal left ureter with MIP or volume rendering. And whether you're doing uh, neuro and doing head and neck imaging with dual energy and automated bone removal or circle of Willis, again, uh, it's where things are going. And do you sacrifice quality? Article after article shows that's not to be the case. Here was looking at brain CT, accuracy was the same. McLaughlin made the point tablet technology will assume a major role in provision of expert radiologic opinion to remote sites in the acute setting. This article from Hopkins made the point in looking at PEs that the accuracy was the same on a mobile device, the iPad, or on a classic monitor. 
Now, I don't see iPads replacing traditional workstations, but I do see them doing all of the work of a traditional workstation. So in some sense, in certain situations, it will replace everything. And look at what you can do with PET-CT or MR or ultrasound. It really doesn't matter the modality. It can do it all. And it's not just, as I mentioned, the radiologists, but our referring physicians really improve their throughput and their workflow with these devices. And for the radiologists, my experience has been teleradiology is the number one use. Remote consultation and viewing uh, become indeed very critical. And the use case really just is how you need to get information, whether you're showing it to the patients or accessing it for yourself or planning surgery. It really doesn't matter. When you look at these mobile devices, they're only going to get better. The roadmap, cloud integration, voice controls. Siri is a good example of where things are going. Skype, this ability to communicate via Skype and consult with referring physicians remotely. And again, we like iPads, but Samsung, Microsoft are coming up with new devices. And from where we sit, competition only makes everybody do better. This ability of visualization on 3D is a strategic inflection point, and really this anywhere, everywhere becomes very, very important. And I think the biggest game changer is availability of information. You remember the old days when we had things on film, the films were lost, or they were behind the door. No one could see things because it wasn't available. Now there really is no excuse. The boundaries are falling, the walls are falling, there's open spaces. Then, of course, you can say as well, if everyone has all the information and if everyone can do anything, what's the role of radiology? And there was an article by Arthur Linton looking at the future of radiology, and he made the point that radiology will be very successful 50 years from now. The question is, how successful will radiologists be? Who's going to be doing radiology? Well, I think in order to do radiology in 2020 and beyond, radiologists will have to change. There are many ways of thinking about things. You know, Steve Jobs made the point you can't ask customers what they want and then try to give them that. By the time you get it built, they'll want something new. Radiology needs to change their delivery model. We really can't do what we're doing now. People who are sitting in quiet rooms in the back of a department so as not to be interrupted because they can create more RVUs. People who avoid the scan areas, they don't want to deal with the techs and they don't want to deal with the patients. They only want RVU generating things. That's not going to work. That's going to, that makes you a commodity and you're going to be out of business. You've got to be on top of things. Minimizing the time you spend with CME, not going to courses but getting your CME just by filling out some sheets of paper just because it's easier is not a good thing. And doing the minimum is surely not going to make you successful. In radiology, we need to be more into the personalized radiology spectrum of things. The right test for the, right, for the specific patient, correctly performing the test, interpreting it correctly, and then getting the information back to the referring physician. And I think radiology needs to be more aggressive in providing services, and we need to be really recognized within our own enterprise. From an education perspective, things are changing, and the old uh, textbook, or the old CME courses at very nice sites will persist, but will be less of an impact. The traditional CME meetings, which I love, we all love, 
are indeed changing, and whether it's webcasts or other ways of looking at information on the web, whether it's through mobile devices, you know, as you went to apps, you know, it's just not uh, going to be the same. You look at the iPad, and then you look at the Apple Store, and look at all of those iPad apps in radiology. Whether it's anatomy, whether it's all the journals being online, it's a way of doing things differently. We do apps, and here's just some of our apps we have, whether it's quizzes or whether it's lectures. Uh, you think about the delivery of information. We have a website, CTSS, all of you use, which reach about 80,000 people in 130 plus countries. So when we put something online, thousands of people are impacted. Whether it's lectures like this one or teaching files, people indeed can see the information we deliver. And when I was giving this talk in Australia, I looked at our Google uh, uh, mapping of where our information goes. Here's a typical day with over 130 countries. Uh, there are very few countries, looks like a few countries in Africa that aren't looking at CT as us. And you could look at that from a city perspective. Those are the key cities. Well, what a surprise, the typical big cities. But it's not just going to the U.S. Here's a week where 18,000 people were looking, but less than half are in the U.S. India's too, Canada, England, Australia, China, Saudi Arabia, countries. I looked at uh, Australia more carefully. You can see the different parts of Australia. Where here's people looking and not surprisingly in the big cities, and Sydney was number one, but the meeting was in Melbourne, so Melbourne's going to move up there. It's just impressive how you can reach so many people so far away. You look at things like Facebook, which we also have on CT as Us. You can put up a bit of information, and within a few moments, 1,784 people are responding. There's no doubt that change is there. This Morton lecture is something worthwhile reading. Uh, comments, the future of radiology as a discipline will rest largely on how the profession responds to challenges in three broad areas, advancing and leveraging technology, influencing the changing structure of professional imaging practice, and inventing new economic models to support radiologic practice. And that indeed is the case. The importance of change is really what's driving us. More powerful advanced imaging modalities are generating greater quantities of images, that must be reviewed in some modalities such as MAMO, computer-assisted recognition, can flag important findings. And this whole idea of image recognition software as a first or second reader becomes very critical. Uh, the lecture also, uh, the Morton Lecture, Goldsmith, active experimentation not only with emerging technologies but emerging forms of care organization and payment will be required for radiology to strengthen its franchise. And again, the, the article does make the point that staying still is not a solution. That really is not going to be an option. Now, will changes occur that we don't know what they mean? Well, the answer is yes, because changes outside of radiology can impact. A company called 23andMe, some of the key people from Google are involved in this company, where now for $99 you can get your DNA tested. Now, you would say when you look at this online, this must be a real scam, but these people are indeed... Uh, very uh, big researchers, and this process cost thousands and thousands of dollars just a couple years ago. So now the danger, of course, is you have lots of information. What do you do with it? But this company, which is out of Mountain View, uh, really 
provide certain uniqueness. And Wojcicki is married to one of the founders of Google. So you really have to look at the people involved. Uh, they're not doing it for the money because they have plenty of money. They're doing it to change how medicine is done. And you look at some of those people involved, that's her sister and that's her husband. So you really got to think about it. Uh, big changes in delivery from information they can provide may indeed be helpful to radiology or can be challenging to radiology. We look about information and some days it seems the ultimate source of knowledge is Google. And here was Google Australia when I was there. But again, how do we integrate Google into the work we do? As Google gets stronger and stronger, it may indeed help us. So some random thoughts. How do you create the future of imaging? Can we guide referring physicians to the proper use of imaging, or should we leave that to other people? Well, the answer is probably not. We need to be the ones. What are the challenges of trying to guide the future? What are the challenges of not trying to guide the future? Can we risk being wrong? I don't think you're always going to be right, but surely doing nothing is going to be wrong. There was an article recently talking about how non-physician providers order less imaging studies. Now, is that because they're smarter or they don't understand? Well, they order significantly less studies because I don't think they know what CT or MR or ultrasound can do. We need to train them. Our training needs to go beyond traditional physicians. And again, the idea of why non-physicians order less is not really clear, but surely we need to look into it. Steve Jobs made the point about focus is not just saying yes to the thing you've got to focus on, but really saying no to hundreds of other good ideas. You have to pick carefully. We don't have the time to do everything, so we really need to make certain we pick the things that will indeed help drive our practice and help us be more successful. Is it gonna be easy? The answer is uh, not really. Are we gonna be right all the time? The answer is no way, no how. But I think if we really pursue things and move forward, um, it's kind of like the Mick Jagger Rolling Stones song, you can't always get what you want, but if you try sometimes you'll get what you need. I think that may be a good mantra for us going forward. Am I right? Am I wrong? I don't know. Hopefully we'll get back together in 10 years and we can discuss it, but I think surely uh, things will change. That's the only thing I'm 100% positive about. And if you want to feel confident, think about Winston Churchill. The empires of the future are the empires of the mind. So with that, I'll stop there, and hopefully uh, we raised a few interesting points and questions, and if you have any comments, just get back to us on Facebook or on uh, Ask the Fish or send it through our emails. Have a great day.